You are now listening to FemRegard Podcast with Tessa Markle and Carolina Alvarez. Hey, Fem Fam, it's your girls, Tessa and Carolina. Hi, guys. I hope you're enjoying the season so far because we just keep finding the best guests. And it's really thanks to our amazing community. So shout out to you guys. Thanks for uh, like just supporting us because it keeps us going and keeps us connecting. And that's what we're all about is finding those like-minded individuals who care about the independent filmmaker and what we have to navigate through. Absolutely. So Tessa, why don't you tell our fam what amazing guests we have on today? So today we have Sana Sony, who is head of distribution and sales for Giant Pictures. And we met her through our friend Mikhail Chowdhury, who has sent us so many amazing people. If you haven't listened to his episode a couple of seasons ago, I highly recommend. Um, but Sana had previously worked with Warner Brothers, Signature, Chicken Soup for the Soul, amongst many others. And she is a leading expert in distribution and marketing. And we talk a lot with her today about like you know what does that look like what 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 are the differences between you know a sales agent and a distributor and acquisitions and what does everybody do and what do you as the filmmaker have to look out for you know what questions do you have to answer for yourself and your film before you get to that point and to be successful with that point Yeah, because as you know Tessa just rambled off maybe to a lot of you a mumbo jumbo mm-hmm. that mumbo jumbo begins with you asking yourself where you see your film, where you want it to land. And we we might sound like a broken record by now because we've mentioned this a couple times, but that's really what helps you start to navigate through all these distribution options because there are so many and there are so many that are going to be unique to your film and what you want out of it. So I love the questions that Sana just kind of springs off in each kind of phase. And this is one to definitely maybe take out your notepad and pen and um, jot down some of these questions to ask yourself. Um, If you're working towards your next project, then see distribution as an avenue. And again, that looks like different. It could be one where you're just doing the film festival circuit and you don't care about making money. That's fine. It's just good to like take a moment and and ask yourself where you see it going and what you want out of the end because it's a journey all we know that and you're you're probably have an idea or should have an idea of where you want to see this thing that you slaved for for so long go right so i love the questions she brings up and i just think you guys are really going to take so many good takeaways from this. So definitely take some notes. Yes. And, and hopefully she, you know, demystifies a few things for you too. Because it's, yeah. yes, it's a lot to take in, but it's really not that complicated at the end of the day. Once you start to understand how the process works, like it all makes sense. <laughs> I promise. We promise. <laughs> it all does. So without so, further ado, please enjoy this episode with Sana Sony. Um, how did I wind up in this position? <laughs> I was growing up in Europe, not to go too far back. Sorry. I'm not going to go back to the day I was born, but I am going to go back to when I was 16. I was growing up in Europe and I went to a summer camp at the New York Film okay. Academy in London. And that was only a week long, but I was hooked from them. It was a filmmaking camp. And then after that, I was like, I have to go to LA. I have to make it in the movies. And of course, no one knows at that age what that's going to be. And then um was extremely privileged and lucky enough to go to UCLA. I uh, didn't major in film in the end because it's a very tiny pool of students that gets in. But I did lead up a film club. I did attend all the screenings, all the panels, all the f- events, whatever I could to just meet people because I kept hearing the same thing about who you know yeah. relationships, which we've all heard at this point. And it's, it's true. It's not everything, but it, it is a huge part of it, a huge part of it. So we, I met lots of people that way. And then um, I still talk to them all these years later. And then just kind of like, you know, stumbled around after that, as one does after university, you just kind of try your hand at different things. Um, had to move to London because I'm a European citizen. So my student visa was going to run out and actually renewing your status to get like a work visa in the U.S. is way easier said than done because you have to be like so specialized in a certain I'm sure you yes. guys know this is nodding that like 
you have to be so specialized in a certain kind of skill set that you have to prove to the government that like there's no one in the U.S. who's an American right. citizen. And especially in this job. industry, it's like jobs so, are so uncertain anyway. So that makes it even harder. Yes, especially right now. And also, uh, and uh, when you're like 22 and assistant in L.A., unfortunately, there are so many people out there who can also do that job. I hate to say, like, and it was really difficult. So I was like, fine, don't want me. I'm going, going back to Europe. But of course, London was was amazing. I, uh, my whole family ended up being there. I met who became you know, my husband. Um, and I continued to kind of look around at jobs. I, I knew that I wanted to be on the business side of things because I had done film sets. I had done shorts. I had done production and those were fun. And those people I talked to today and I loved you, I don't need to tell you, but you know, the, 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 yeah. the bond that you get, even after two days of production, like, I know I it's so know. sad. You're like, this you guys, is like, it. We've become family within like one day of yes. being on set. Yeah. It stuck, struck me. I was like, so when people are on set for days or weeks, like, or months, are they just like joining <laughs> at the hip at that point? Because like, this was two days for me and I still talk. It's like going guys. to war like um, with like, someone. You're just, you know, like you go through this yeah. experience together and it's like the highs and lows and just, yeah, you're bonded. You're bonded for life. And so um, as much as I loved all that, uh, it wasn't quite like for me. I could sense that it just kind of somehow wasn't like a natural fit and that I was more of the producer. I was more of the business mind behind it. And uh, but I loved being close to and next to the artists and the people who make that magic happen. I just wanted to like be there and facilitate and like support and lift them up. And, and um, that's what made me really, really happy. So I was like, okay, well, I guess I need an office job. So in London, I also bounced around. I got a lot of temp jobs at the time. That's what kind of was on offer at like uh, National Geographic TV, like helping them with their contracts when they sell the rights to a TV show to air somewhere in Germany, wow. you know, just to like help them with the contract. Yeah. It was like, it was like, this is not what I have in mind, learning. but I am yeah. learning a lot. Yeah. I'm learning. I'm learning. And then there was a lot of I, I, two weeks at like Sony helping um, figure out like all the different cable viewers, like uh, how many viewers there had been and whether they'd been charged <laughs> yeah. correctly. Like it's, it was, it, and I can go into all that. That was a long time ago. And finally landed at Warner Brothers. And uh, that was four years of very good education in terms of sales for TV rights. And so a lot of these jobs were in TV rights. And then um, I got tired of the big studio um, life. And um, it's like 8,000 people in Warner. And now it's even bigger with their merger with Discovery. Yes. That's yes. huge. Um my sister was also in London working for small teams and uh, public policy. And I really envied that. So I was like, I'm leaving this and I'm going to find myself a small, small <laughs> team. And I did. It just took me ages to like break in to the independent mm -hmm. film world in London because it's, you, you go to university there, just like you do in LA, then, you know, you kind of have an in, but mm -hmm. I didn't. So uh, eventually found a job at Signature Entertainment. Um, and was there for three years and kind of cut my teeth there, like learning everything to do with independent film okay. distribution. And of course I can go into what all that means, but it was 15 of us at the time. Wow. That team is much bigger now, like more than double, but there was 15 of us all in one big room. We had the best time. I heard about everything that was happening. I learned about everything. I also <laughs> still talk to those guys every day. Yes, oh every day. Um, and uh, you know, went to each other's weddings, et cetera. They, I learned so much about um, independent films, anything that's not being distributed by a studio that doesn't have thousands and thousands of dollars of a budget mm -hmm. in terms of marketing. That's most likely not going to go into theaters. That's, you're not going to be able to see posters of most likely, right. like huge posters of on Sunset. All these kinds of movies that, sometimes go straight to DVD. Mm -hmm. You know, I joined when there was still a huge DVD business. Um, and now there's obviously less so. Uh, these movies that were went straight to Netflix, the movies that went straight to Hulu, et cetera. And so those were, so many of them were just so good too. It's like amazing movies, hidden gems. But most importantly, I learned about 
um, the distribution windows and how movies mm -hmm. make their money once they're out. And again, that's a whole thing. Um, and then my husband had a job in DC, so we got here. Um, and that's where I am now. That was two, three years ago. And since then I've been working for distribution companies that are very similar to that, um, but here based out of New York. Oh, nice. Um, and so currently it's Giant Pictures, uh, also a very small team and we put out lots and lots of um, independent films. A lot of them are documentaries. A lot of them are cult horrors. A lot of them are from specialty uh, film production companies like Participant or uh, they have all you know, movies that have been at Tribeca. Um, so some are very, very critically acclaimed like that, but it's been, that that is what gets me excited mm -hmm. is being able to work on these really yeah. good movies, um, helping them get out to an audience, helping them connect to a specific audience, um, helping position them in the market and helping them just get out as much as possible to earn as much money as possible, which sounds very mercenary, but then it helps everyone. And ideally, well, most of it goes back to the filmmaker so that they're then able to put that money back into their next movie um, and you know make a living. Um, so that's kind of in a, in a quick nutshell, like what my job is, but I can go into yeah, that Yeah, I mean, I would love to hear more about, like I know Carolina and I have been learning a lot about distribution in the past like year or so. Um, so it was kind of a crash course for us just learning what we we're going to have to know eventually for our film and, you know, going into it with the mind of like, we're creating this film for us really, like ultimately, and we'd love to get as many eyes on it as we can, but like, you know, attempting distribution. And if we don't really make any money off of it, that's okay. Like we already went into it with that mindset, but still wanting to know as much as we could. So we could, you know, give it the best try that we could. Um, so if you could kind of just give like a little bit of a breakdown of, um, you know, you told us a little bit specifically about what you do and how that's different from other aspects of distribution, like sales versus distribution versus acquisition, all that sort of thing. Um, but I guess what I'm curious is how much does your company, Giant Pictures, actually like include, I guess? And then also, yeah, you had mentioned windowing and just kind of like what that means for our listeners who may not be familiar with those sort of terms. I'm not sure what you meant by what does it include? Well, um, no, actually, I, I think I understand it. Um, okay, so so kind of to start from the beginning, as a distribution company, you uh, go out and find movies that need distribution, right? Filmmakers who don't know how to get to their audience, in a, again, in a really, really simple nutshell. You take on the rights of those movies, whether for the world or for specific territories, then you uh, go about the business of putting it up around into places where people can go see it, whether that's on DVD, on in theaters, on iTunes for rental, uh, pitching it to Netflix if they want to have it on their service so that um, for two years or three years, whatever, it's available on Netflix and viewers can see it there. All of There's so much that goes into that, everything from technical stuff like speaking to the filmmakers about making sure that you have your trailers and your films and your um, uh, 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 stills and everything in the right format and the right specs and all the tech, the legal stuff, um, onboarding the film, getting it, uh, getting those assets that I just talked about, you know, ingested into your own servers. Uh, then, and I can't even imagine what people used to do before everything was digital. I mean, like, yeah, it's yeah. physically. Yeah. Um, then, um, uh, figuring out the distribution strategy for that movie. Like, okay, what, what, when do we want to put it out? What, what, and when in the year is a good time? Should we think about what else is going on around that time? If it's a romance, obviously Valentine's day is a great time to put it out. Um, but, oh, Valentine's day is set eight months away. That's way too far. We don't want to be sitting on the movie mm. that long. So whatever. Uh, then figuring out um, some companies do this more than we do, you know, taking the title of the movie and being like, could this be changed? Could this be better potentially to help film it, to help audiences um, connect with it easier? And the art, the art is a big one that often gets changed. Art, I mean the poster, basically the main pieces, the image, right? The, the sheet that like um, that the pe the people will see the the audience, the the just people in the public will be seeing when they 
are scrolling past a hundred different movies on Google Movies, on YouTube, on uh, 2D, on all these other platforms. There's so many right. that exist. And when you have a movie like we do, which usually does not have a big star, does not have uh, awareness around it uh, for many reasons, mostly because, you know, we have, we're, we're not uh, the at the level where we're spending whatever tons of money on getting the marketing so that these movies are uh, blasted out there in, in a huge way and not in like, you know, your social media feeds and your bus, the sides of your bus, et cetera. Then um, just, we have to end up relying a lot on the title of the movie and the, the little art and get making sure that that hooks yeah. the audience member. And, uh, and the easiest way to do that, I always say, is to make it obvious. Okay, just just make it as, as it hit people <laughs> over the head with what this movie is. Because they're going to need it. They're not going to be able to divide yeah. this out of nowhere. If it's just a, a person's face, just a face, that's not enough to tell the person, tell a viewer, like, what's mm-hmm. this movie really about? Um, and unless that face, I hate to say, is right, right. super famous and that person is a fan. So they want to watch that because they like that person or that actor. And so, and um, so that's the positioning of the movie. And then getting the movie out there, getting it, making sure that, it is uh, pitched to and put into the correct line of uh, processing that needs to happen in order for a movie to be uploaded on release day to iTunes, to Microsoft Store, to Google Store, to cable platforms. There's a lot that goes into that. Then making sure that those assets I talked about are then sent outwards to those platforms so that those platforms have something to put up. They have the right art to put up. They have the right trailer. Right. They have the right movie, obviously. And they have the right information about it so that the director's name isn't spelled or whatever. Um, all of that. And then uh, making sure that the movie is being merchandised, which means that once you go on to that platform, that it's not kind of buried in there. You know, you're hopefully it's being pushed to the front in the newly released carousel or the um, out this week room or up in a banner that's kind of rotating on top whatever um and then keeping track of it making sure that it's you know getting that good merchandising and then uh, making sure that the money is coming in based on the views whoever's renting and buying and while that's happening you're also going out to um these subscription platforms netflix and hulu and HBO Max, these guys are the obvious big ones, but there's so many other smaller ones. Shutter is a big one for horror, yes. as you guys know. Um, Curiosity Stream, uh, Movie, so many out there. Some are very specialty and some are more generic. And having a relationship with the people who buy at these uh, streaming platforms, knowing what is it that mm. they want, and coming up with lists of movies like, here's what we think you'd be interested in. And then closing those deals. Unlike the previous window that I talked about, the transactional window, the buying yeah. thing, that's very cut and dry. It's like, here's what we got coming out. Okay, cool. We'll take these ones. Cool. They come out in December. Done. It's December. They're out. With these subscription platforms, which is usually the pay one window, which is the next mm-hmm. window in the windowing stuff I've talked about, that's a like more involved discussion of like, okay, well, do you want it for a year or two years? Oh, if you want it for two years, you want it for North America only, not for the world. Okay. Okay. Um, here, and then usually they might pay up front for it. Uh, or we might make a deal where based on the views they pay on, they pay um, depending on how many views it's had after the fact. And I'm sorry if this is getting- No, this, no this is amazing. Is, yeah, this is um, really great information. I mean, it's okay, like, okay. I, I know for us, like I said, like we've done a little bit of research. This is all like tracking. It's like, okay, yes, I, I have heard this, you know, mm-hmm. whatever, but- for when, like, when we first started learning, I was so like, whoa, this is way too much for me to understand. But the more you hear it and the more you get into it, it, it definitely makes more and more sense. So this is super helpful for us. So any listeners, if you're feeling overwhelmed, I swear, like, listen now and go listen again later and it'll start making sense. Yeah. <laughs> and we've had, like, a distribution episode where we talked about the different, like, AVOD, TVOD, SOVOD. Like, we've had discussions so far fam if you're getting like also like what are these different windows tune back to that episode too again we're not experts and that's why we love bringing on 
the experts to <laughs> to keep talking about it because yeah, it, it can definitely be overwhelming. But no, that this totally makes sense. There's these different windows that mm-hmm. you know filmmakers can sell to, and as or different ways for them to int- retain money from from their work and you got to see and that's what's great about working with the distribution company because you are beautifully explaining how that you have you guys are experts you have those relationships that not everyone just has and the knowledge behind what the client is looking for and so that's really cool and I can see why you're very excited to help independent filmmakers when you're so excited yourself about the work and the project Yes, it, it's, um, and, and it is, and it feels like cheating to say, like, I'm an expert. It's just like my job, right? It's what I do all day, every day, well, five days a week. So it feels um, like second nature to me, right. but it didn't always. It took a few years to really get my head around all of it because you have to add in everything else. You have to add, add in um, different countries and how they work. I started off in the UK and in some ways, um, the way they do things is, is a bit different. Um, and then you're talking about, are we talking new movies? Are we talking old movies that have been out for decades? Are we talking about um, movies that are in the English language? If you're living in a country that is uh, that also speaks English, are you talking about a Korean movie? Okay, well, a Korean movie, how does that, how is that going to work in a right. English speaking country? There's so many different little factors and little aspects that I you know, I'm kind of glossing over, obviously, for the sake of, of simplicity. And actually, unfortunately, there's more. Or no, fortunately, after um, it's been on a subscription SVOD yeah. service, um, we've talked about TBOD, the transactional buyer run. Now I've moved on to subscription SVOD. Um, this is generally how it goes. It's not always this, like, simple, but generally. Uh, hopefully, after that first uh, pay window, you might be lucky enough to get another. You might have somebody else knocking on your door and saying like, but I'll take the next one. And when they say they'll take it, it can mean this territory or that territory. It can be for this much money or that much money. It can be um, exclusively or non-exclusively. So if they're taking it non-exclusively, then you're still free to go take it around to other people in the same territory. And then once that is over or while it's up, but it's not exclusive, that's when the AVOD window can start. So I have a huge, uh, a lot of experience in the AVOD window. It's 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 growing. It's huge for independent film. I'm a big um, evangelist for the AVOD window in general because it's really growing. I always joke about it being the ugly cousin <laughs> that like grew up in the pot. So because like, suddenly for independent film, there's so much money you can make there because um, the this window is where your movie can make it onto. Everything from YouTube to Pluto to B, Roku Channel, et cetera. And um, a viewer can just log right on to these on their browser or on their smart TV or app on their phone and um, not even put in their email address or credit card and just watch. Whether that's like pressing something from the beginning and, you know, watching it um, and then have the episode through ads. That's the exactly. catch, right? Whether that's... Um, watching from the beginning, or in the case of something like Pluto, and other people are doing it a lot more too now, channels that are just running for 24 hours, and you just pick one, and you'll land in the middle of a movie or a TV show. So um, and that, all of the above is AVOD, or advertising, video on demand. So um, then the platform will, you know, take the money that they made off of the ads and get split half with us. So it's... Uh, it's, it's so many different ways of making money. And then there's really no limit for how long the movie can be on these AVOD platforms. It's however long we have the rights to the movie to, right? right? Or how, however long we have a deal with that platform for. So, and in the meantime, you know, you might still have theaters coming to you saying like, we'd like to screen this for a night. Mm-hmm. Or we might do a DVD run. Or... Somebody else comes along. The movie has a very niche topic and there is a SMOD platform out there that deals in that very specific niche topic. So they want the rights to the movie for six months or a year. So managing all of that. And then when you think about the hundreds of movies and in my previous job, the thousands of movies that you have the rights to, it's it's a lot. So to 
stay on top of it all, you need mm-hmm. technology, right? Databases that you can rely on that you have to keep up. You have to like make sure that you included the runtime of that movie because when you put it on the Roku channel, they have a little column on their spreadsheet that says yeah. how long is the movie. And we want it in minutes. So you have to like convert it minutes, do that for 200 movies in one in one go. Like it's, it, this is just what takes up the entire day, just the day to day of it. Um, but at least what we're working on is movies uh, or TV shows. And these are beautiful things that people have poured their lives and their sweat and their tears into and years of their work, their, their lives. And uh, trying to do our best to just give those things justice. And as somebody who has made films before, I get it, that I, I get what it was like to uh, put all that work into it, how that's your baby. So I did not like some various jobs I've had in the past where it really just turned into like a line on a spreadsheet, like, yeah, it's just, it's a commodity, it's a product. And I hate the term product and I'm trying to not use the word <laughs> content as well, even though it's like a catch-all. Um, or TV shorts, web series, TV series, movies, whatever, documentaries. But it um, trying to keep things, remember that they're individual special uh, items that, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. No, those are, to me, those are the kind of people that I look to like bond together with in, in business. It's like you really are you care about like I have certain coworkers too that in, in my world we we handle all those assets and I like I I get that side of things and it's yeah. just I love the way we can like look at reels and understand that it came from film back in the day and how it's like you know back when you had the literally reels of film and they've like in a way taught me the romance besides not everything so digital that it's like, okay, we're still looking at reels, which is cool, but it's not like from what it was back then and how like it's still, we still pay homage to that respect. Like we still are, you know, following safety yeah. standards and, and all these wonderful things. So I think um, it's really cool that you also have that not everyone, though, in my, you know, not everyone in any kind of film industry has set a day, like stepped, a, had a day on set, like stepped foot on set and have seen what it takes. So that is really awesome that you yeah. you empathize with us because it's not for everyone. And it is, it is a, it is a beast. It's it not is. easy. It's a beast. And Frankly, it's unfair because you're not getting the rights and pay that you deserve, you know, in many cases, or in the worst case scenario, it's dangerous, which mm-hmm. it should never be. It's a workplace. Um, so it's 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 something I really, really respect and wish I could do because, you know, ultimately I have the greatest memories of having been on set, but it just kind of just wasn't like yeah. working for me, which is fine, which is fine. I love um, the idea of, of just bringing extremely talented amazing people together to make things or to help get their uh, final product. (laughs) In this case, I'm using the word product differently and and getting their final product out there as widely as possible in the way, hopefully that honors what the Mm -hmm. filmmaker wants. And that itself can also be quite complicated because it's not just one person who's made the movie. Um, And it's also difficult sometimes to just to agree on what is the best way to get the movie out there. That and or what is the best way to position it? What's the best thing to call it? When when is the right time to put it out? Um, so that all can get it, it is difficult, but it's art, so it's always yeah, going to be right. subjective. Right. Um, yeah, and and I and and going back real quick to um, what Tessa was saying regarding like you guys have the feature you're working on, and you're not exactly planning on making like tons and tons of money off of it. That's really good that you have a vision and a focus on like, this is what we want out of the movie. You're not under any illusion that, or or um, maybe illusion is not the right word. You're not exactly uh, just sitting there thinking it's going to be great. Vaguely, right. it's going to be great. You, you want to have the focus. You want to have the exact um, idea of what it is that you're going after. 
And because there's so many different end games to when you make a movie. And there's so many different. No. Yeah, exactly. Thanks for bringing that up, Sana. And just for our audience to like hear more of that too. And they might feel the same for us. Sync is like a really good way to, in a larger sense, show a larger body of what we can do, me Mm -hmm. and Tessa, of what we've written and worked for and we know that it's it's a huge achievement in itself and and we can tell with how much work we've put into it that like just having the script in the best place possible is one you know victory and feat <laughs> after the next so for us to then have it made is just that is that is the ultimate goal is just having that solid piece of work done but we've learned that you have to think of distribution and what does that mean to you in, in the stage of your yes. career. And for us is we would love and are yes. aiming to get this in some really solid film festivals so we can cons- to at least have recognition that we've made it. This is, we want the community to celebrate, the people that it speaks to. Um, and because mm-hmm. we question a lot of different things in the film and that's what we're excited about most. And then, yeah, we would love to pitch it to other distributors or, or people that could then later on maybe help us further. But we're being realistic too, that mm-hmm. this is our first thing. And we, we just want to be able to be in a good place to position us to make the next film that we can continue to grow. Cause that's, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but that's kind of how it, it goes. Like you got to kind of start to build. It build. is. So just creating, I mean, I'm, you've worked with various filmmakers and scene work, is there something that, you know, from what we're positioning ourselves, you know, if we were to land in those festivals per se, is it after that point that we could then maybe, again, in my line of thinking, continue to have conversations and we're trying to still have conversations because it doesn't hurt. Um, oh, no, but no, like, no. Yeah, I think other filmmakers probably in the same position, making their first or second feature, they're aiming to get the film festival circuit is that what then makes mm-hmm. um you know them their work attractive to distributors like yourselves that could be like okay yeah i'm i'm they're getting that recognition like you've mentioned your company loves to take work from those mm-hmm. top tier festivals um that's kind of what attracts you guys as well it speaks to you is when you've seen a couple of these films get through go through that circuit and really you know <laughs> get get more than just an accolade. I don't, I don't want to say that, but it's like, they've, they've really pushed through that. Absolutely. It's um, some distributors will look to uh, festivals. will look to specific festivals. We'll have relationships with them. Um, we'll use them for finding the cool new movies. Some distributors can't really afford to attend them. Some, um, don't care really if it's been in a festival, like if it's a commercial enough movie, that's all we're looking for. So all of this exists that, you know, there's no right or wrong. It's just however you do your business. Um, So if you are a filmmaker who, uh, if it it, it all kind of goes back to what you want. So having a very, very specific idea of what you want is is, is the number one thing that's gonna help. So for example, using you guys as an example, um, you have a specific movie, you wanna get it into festivals, and you said the reason why is because you wanna connect to your audiences. So is the idea to connect with festivals um, that, um, show movies with the exact same genre or like the niche genre that you're going to be making a movie in and is that really it and being really brutally honest with yourself um, because if you came out the other end having been to the top x genre festivals and you spoke with the audience members and they came to you for example best case scenario they said I loved your movie thank you for making it it really spoke to me at the end of that um, is that all you want is that it? Or, you know, did did you also secretly want the movie to um, win awards? Did you also want it to get distribution? Did you want it to have a DVD run? Because that's something that's, for whatever reason, really special to you. Did you want it to have a red carpet premiere? Because you just always wanted to have that. Or did you just want to make a ton of money? And did those things happen? And if no, that's fine. It 
you know, you're not going to get what you want always, but did you work hard towards that goal? Because if you, let's say all you want is to make a ton of money from it. If you make a, uh, a difficult to digest experimental mm -hmm. art film, um, you want to make money, but you also want to connect to the audience. You could connect to the audience, but ultimately you may not make a lot of money because it's not a very commercial job. Absolutely. Or, you know, not thematically. So if you are, again, brutally honest with yourself about what it is that you want and when you want a distributor, is it because you want to make those relationships so you can um, bring your next movie to them? Is it because you want them to make a ton of money for you so you can put that money into your next movie? Is it so that you can establish yourself as a mover and shaker of the industry. We know like very specific things. And of course, when you're at the start of that journey, it's not quite so simple. You, you, you can't see all the different paths in front of you very clearly and know, okay, well, I want to do 90% this path, 10% that. It's not quite that simple. So hopefully this is demystifying yeah. it a little bit. Um, but whatever it is that, you know, you're dreaming of, just just knowing what that is, and then going for that. Because if your aim is just to make a lot of money, festivals may not be the most important thing for you. You may end up, in fact, spending a lot of money, submitting to, attending, um, uh, spending a lot of time on getting these movies into festivals, and in the end, not get the financial reward that you were looking for. Right. So, no, yeah. That, those are great, great questions. Um, to I love that you outlined it like that because I think a lot of times um, it's hard to look outside yourself and like your wants and your dreams and your desires they get all melded together I mean I at the end of the day girl I want yes. it all like let's go <laughs> of who doesn't like again you're a team you, you it's not three people or one right? person yeah. everybody else might want a different thing and to uh, just to kind of you know collaborate and then figure out what it is that you want as a team man I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's super impressed that people even got together to yeah. make a movie to begin <laughs> with so having being all aligned on that uh that goal that's that sounds so difficult to me but I know people do it every day but yeah so um having all of those plans in mind and then um, the next best thing I always say is, is once you've figured out what it is that you really want, um, find a movie that's out there that's similar to yours, whether that's in budget or in genre or with the same person, actor in it, or even if it has nothing similar, um, maybe the path that it took to distribution or how it got out there. Okay, it played at Sundance and then it played at a little festival called X and then it was at a festival called Y. And then this company, it came out on DVD. And on that company, it came out on educational streaming platforms. That's the path I want to follow. And um, try to emulate it as much as possible by talking to the filmmakers, if you don't know them. Um, most cases, filmmakers are kind of happy <laughs> to talk to, you know, talk to you. Talk to, if possible, the uh, distribution company or the production company or the sales agent, whoever it was involved in the getting the movies yeah. out there um or getting that movie out there and uh just trying to copy it step by step because even when you try to copy it you're never going to copy yeah, the exact sure. same thing but but if it's been out there and you liked that path and you want to replicate it it's right there for you to emulate and there's there's nothing wrong with that um so that's one thing I definitely Yeah, I think that's really smart. Nice. You know, I mean, yeah. I think that we're, um, as filmmakers, encouraged a lot of times to, you know, find comparables in a way that's like presenting to people, to presenting to producers, presenting to investors, whatever. So, you know, you're really just thinking about like, are they similar in budget? Are they similar in genre? Whatever. But I think this is really important. What you're saying is finding comparables that you can actually emulate their path and you can talk to the filmmaker about how did they get this or how did they get to this point and why did they choose this way and stuff. So I think that's really smart. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. There, there's, and, and ultimately, like I said, you're still never going to emulate 100 percent because your your movie is different, the yeah. time is different, 
everything is different, but, but you, you, at least there was a path out there that somebody has done successfully that you can copy or you can attempt to copy. Um, because there's no point in reinventing the wheel, uh, especially when in, in such a volatile and uh, strange world that we're in, this distribution, independent film distribution world. Um, so you may as well, if you see something that's worked, mm-hmm. like go for that. Yeah. I think it's interesting to um, kind of taking all this and going back a little bit as well that I've been noticing even just as recently as I've started understanding just distribution at all is how popular the AVOD platform is, um, especially for independent filmmakers, because I feel like not that long ago, it was kind of like not really taken seriously. You know, it was like, oh, you don't want to put your film on YouTube. It's like, well, if I can put it up there and have it seen by millions of people and make some money off of it, what's wrong with that? <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, so I do think exactly. it's very interesting. Exactly. Yeah, But you have to come yeah. to come to peace with that, right? So if you have a personal just, just abhorrence with it being on YouTube or being available for free, yeah, then don't do that, right? But but like that that's sort of your choice. Um, but but if you want it to just reach a million people, hopefully, and have the chance at actually making a lot of money, then you can put it on these platforms. You I'm not you know you you could find a way yeah. to get it up on there, and you you could achieve some of those goals mm-hmm. that you have. Yeah. But yeah, the, yeah, having having that whole plan in front of you is very important too. Like what's my next step after this? Is it to leave this business with a lot of money in my pocket? Or just to take whatever money I've made and put it into the next project? Or uh, it's not about the money. I just really, really want to change the public's viewpoint on this one very specific topic that's very important right. to me. That's, for example, that's like social impact filmmaking and I'm so grateful that that is much more of a thing in the last few years than it was in the past. And there's entire companies built to support those kinds of films, both to produce them and to get them out there. And they're the ones going out and um, doing screenings for Congress people or at libraries or at universities, et cetera. So that exists too. Um, It's really difficult, of course, we all know, but it does exist. I, I do want to touch back because you've brought it up now twice. And I think this, it does resonate with kind of our plan is like, I think we would be option B. It's like, we would love to, if we do land the distribution deal after like going through the film festival circuit and that whole process, um, it would be to make the money that we do make is just to go back into the next film like that you know we are we've been very transparent we're not paying ourselves out of like a cent out of this this whole the budget that we have that's just for our crew and what it takes to make this film like nothing goes to us and i think if we make that money for the film it is 1000 percent. doesn't yeah you we yeah, don't even agree it is like <laughs> just go to the next to the next thing for us to keep going um and that being said is from your your outlook on on these different window options, I just want to reiterate, is is it's AVOD kind of the best route for someone like us after, or is it still shop? We got to just have to continue to kind of shop around and see what would help us get there. I, I'm not sure if that question is clear, but that's kind of... Uh, well, uh, I, I think your goal should just be to meet with the right distributor who gets your movie who has put out movies similar to right. yours before and has hopefully achieved the same kind of success that you want for your movie. Um, some distributors will continue to do the festival circuit. So they'll like put your movies into more festivals and um, maybe they think that that's the best way forward for that movie for various reasons. Mm-hmm. That could be one thing. Or that this uh, distributor you've seen through friends, through you know contacts, through doing a lot of digging online, seems to have a lot of their movies end up on Hulu and I want my movie up on Hulu. So um, talking to them and being transparent about it, like, you know, okay, now you've seen my movie, hopefully. Do you think that it has, if I were to go with you guys, do you think it has a chance of anything up on Hulu? Because that would, that would be, that's very important to me for whatever reason. Um, Or, um, yeah, speaking to people who you kind of connect with, and sometimes, just so you know, there's also the sales agent, the person who comes between you and the distributor, and they represent your movie 
um, and they go out to distributors in various territories. So they you can have a sales agent that does, for example, just Europe. And so they have a relationship with European distributors and they are going out and pitching your movie to them. Of course, that's one more person in the whole process or one more company. Um, and lots of people skip them too, but it might be the right thing for your project. And then, um, let's see, we're talking about um, what you should aim for. It's having that frank conversation with your distributor and saying, what's really important to me is my name as a filmmaker. I want, you know, as many places as possible, I want to say a film by my name. Or the most important thing to me is for you to just get it out there, just, just as much as you can. And that doesn't matter what distribution window that is in. Or it's important to me that you put it out on all distribution windows, that you maximize every opportunity that you have. Um, so, you know, whatever it is that's important to you. And, this is uh, really helpful prep, just mentally. No, for <laughs> real, because sometimes, again, if it's your first time speaking to someone, you, without yeah. that kind of, uh, what you're saying gives you the confidence because you've prepped exactly what it is you want. Because a lot of times when you're still so new to this all, it's overwhelming. Those options are so overwhelming. So these are great. Thank you so much. These are really great questions to continue to ask yourself. Like, what is it? It's very overwhelming. You don't know what questions to even ask because you don't know what exists. Um, it's like, I again, I, I I admire you guys for even just like going for it because it's such a difficult path. So, <laughs> no, it's okay. We, we know. know. But it's so fulfilling. <laughs> you know, been around long enough. You've done shorts and you've spoken to many people and you've, and you've, you've been acting in some movies. You, you know it's hard. You know what you're yeah. getting yourselves we into. We love it. But at the same time, because you know it's fulfilling. <laughs> exactly. You know it's, you do it for a reason because you love it and um, right. you believe in it. Facts. And we, we need that. <laughs> <laughs> so um, ultimately, yeah, if you if you have an idea of what it is that you want to accomplish, and and um, not being afraid to speak to the distributors, uh, frankly, and having that discussion with them, but also at the same time understanding that they're experts and they do what they do for a reason, um, and deferring to them when needed, but um, having that faith in them of like, okay, but I'm going to give my my movie, put it in your hands, and I hope that you are going to do the best yeah. by it that you can. I love, I, I love that you said that and totally fine if you if you don't, I know you don't want to be in a position to speak negatively about anything, not anything, but any of your past experiences with different, working at different companies, but it sounds like you've had great track record with those companies and how awesome they're, they're there to support the creators, but any red flags that you would know from just other people outside of where you've worked that you could filmmakers could look out for because I'm sure there are some that will take advantage of, of especially novice filmmakers that <laughs> don't know what they're getting themselves into all the time. Is there, is there something, to, yeah, just red flags or stuff to look out for? Uh, there's a lot of communities, filmmaker communities, Facebook groups, Reddit groups, I'm sure <laughs> uh, just and of course, you're know, living in LA, it's, it's easier to meet folks like that too. Um, to just get out there and uh, hear the word on the street, as yeah. say, right? Uh, ask around. People will share. People, people are happy to tell you good and bad That's reviews. True. People, you know, you you can you can because you're in this together. You and your other filmmaker uh, community. You know, everyone's everyone in your filmmaker community, and they will want to share this information with you. And there's no point uh, there's uh, for any filmmaker who's had a good experience with a distributor to keep that to themselves. There's there's really you know no reason that would help them out more. It may as well share that information or share the bad news. Like this distributor took took a very long time to pay us back um, because you know the movie went on to earn X amount of money on so and so platform, and we know it can take months for the money to flow through backwards to us. But it's been two years and we haven't been paid. Or this distributor, they, they as people, they were just rude. Or uh, they didn't seem to respect us in our movie. Whatever it is. And also understanding that distributors are humans as well. And that just like a movie, a distributor is a group of people, yeah. most likely. And that you might be dealing with one person maybe you don't love or you do love. And that person may leave. So 
uh, and somebody else might come in to take their job. So there's, so there's so much nuance there as well. So it's not just like a product that you're reviewing on Amazon. That's hopefully always going to be the exact same, no matter who orders it. Right. right? Um, So there's, there's a, there's a lot of that. (laughs) And also just doing your due diligence, going to their website, um, looking the people up on LinkedIn and seeing, learning just what what kind of people are they listening to some of them, you know, have done podcast interviews or panels at film festivals. Some of these things are online. And finally to attend this, um, I will caveat this by saying, if you are the filmmaker or the director, you may not have time to do all this. And that's totally fine. You need like that producer by your side um, who does have the time to do this, who has some experience in this hopefully, or is willing to learn. And that producer's job is not um, making the, the art side of the movie, in my opinion, because the, the, the director or the lead creatives need to focus on the actual making of it, um, the, the emotion behind it, the character development of it. And the producer needs to be free of that to go out and think about the business of it. Being like, you make the movie, let me do my best work to get the movie out there in the best way possible and that producer hopefully has the time money wherewithal to go to as many film festivals markets events and get out there and talk to people and build a strong community uh, that they can reach out to with questions whatever it is whether that's hey, this distributor is asking for um a trailer file in so-and-so spec but i've never heard of that spec can you tell me what that is or have you heard about this distributor? Or do you really think so-and-so festival is worth it for me? You know, people you can lean on. And that takes so much time and effort. So the producer, I think, is the person mm-hmm. who should be doing that. Um, so yeah, it, that's, uh, that's really no, helpful. That's yeah. great, great, one great advice. And like, so not out of reach for anyone to really like get them their hands on whether it's get like you said reaching out to your local communities um facebook groups and and just tapping into that network not being afraid to ask and review and i love that you said it's that simple like people want to like share their good and bad reviews on (laughs) on their experiences because that's us like whenever we work with someone amazing we shout them out every pod we put them in the newsletter we're like about it so i think that's a really good point yeah absolutely point that we could it's it's not that difficult to like get the answers yeah no, but it does yes. take time. Yes. Right. So, and, and if your work, if you're spending all your time making movie, which you've also got to do, um, then you're not really going to have right. time for all of that. But I am also a huge fan of, of going out of your way. If you're that producer or want to become that producer to, to attend festivals, um, if you have the time and money for it, to, to continuously just meet people, collect cards or uh, metaphorically collect yeah. business cards and uh, build that huge LinkedIn community. Make a spreadsheet if you have to. Um, I have a spreadsheet of 600 <laughs> people. Like um, Classify them, yeah. but um, have genuinely good relationships with them. Hopefully it'll be easy because they're wonderful mm-hmm. people anyway. And um, keep that, keep track of that. Who do you want to work with? What are people good at? Um, what can you ask them about? How can you help them? And could you potentially work or collaborate with some of these people in the future? So that, that is a huge job. Yes. Yes. So. yes, absolutely. Yeah. But, and we always say this isn't a sprint, it's a marathon. So yes. yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. And you got to just love that. You got to love that part. If you, you really want to produce, I think that's a great distinction is you got to love like meeting people like mm-hmm. and sharing and, and talking about that. And if you don't have the time and want to like, we would love, yeah, exactly. Like having another producer to do things like that. It's like, that's a that's yes. a great qualifier too. It's like, are you a social person? Do you like going out there and really putting our work out there? Those are great 
things to kind of in your interview process or in the way of connecting with others to bring on your team. Those are the those are kind of the characteristics that you need to have to hire someone good. Like mm-hmm. they need to be able to really champion yes. you because as a director writer of your film, like you can that's easy. Like when you're like passionate and you have that emotion. So to find someone in that same like they get it. Oh, that's what you want. Yes. They get it and they are going to be like, be that person on yes. the ground for you. If you can't go to the festival, mm-hmm. they're there and they're meeting people. They're collecting. Um, one of the greatest you know, bits of advice that I received from people is, is you know, like uh, collecting um, a, a, news, a, a list of emails of like people who love your movie and want to know once it's out there because they saw it at a certain festival or screening yeah. and they loved it. Keeping... Keeping that going, that's a whole job on its own too. Um, there's a lot that goes into it and it does, so it requires that village, that Absolutely. filmmaking village. Uh, well, shout out our executive producer, Jake Arkey. He's um, someone who's been doing that too, helping us out because it's, you know, that's, he was someone, he got hired simply because he read every revision, was always so excited, then started being like, oh, you should talk to this person. Oh, let me connect you with this person. And I was like- yes. Okay, wanna come on, board? <laughs> like you are awesome. Yeah. You are you and he was just like, really? And I'm like, yeah, this is a no-brainer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like this, this is, is the kind of yes, person you need. Yes. So yes. I I think what you're saying, yeah. that's exactly how we like approach that because that's what you need mm-hmm. to get it done. And it's so exciting. Yeah. And he's just the best. Shout out to Jake. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Sana, for coming on today and demystifying a lot of stuff for us and really like mm. giving some great advice. And, you know, I think that it just always feels sort of, um, I don't know if out of reach is the right word, but like it just seems like there's so much that goes into sales and distribution and marketing that it's like a lot of times for especially first time filmmakers, it just it's it just seems so hard to like wrap your head around. But it's really not that complicated when you break it down. And, you know, it it helps complicated, but it's it's doable. Yeah, you you can learn it. You can get familiar with it and tactfully figure out, I love again today, how we talked about the different questions to ask yourself, mm-hmm. and then you'll start to answer them and figure out what it window, what, what company to work with. Yeah. Just After you time. can answer those questions for yourself, then you can know the right questions to ask a distributor or a sales agent. So yeah, exactly. Exactly. And it's, and it's not going to yeah. just come to you. Like this is just going to like pop up in your head. It's, it's going to take a lot of, uh, thinking and meditating and researching and analyzing and reading and researching and then you might come to some conclusion about what it is that you really want for your film yeah and I'm just gonna say like I'm a firm believer well Tessa and I Tessa I'm gonna include you in this like we believe that when you start that journey it the questions will start to come up even more for you of what to ask what you're looking for because you got to start from one place to continue to learn and that's what we said when we started this podcast like we didn't even know what questions to ask a dp mm-hmm. even or like to ask your ad like we didn't know but you can't not know if you don't like start that process so exactly just get to know yeah. the person the questions will come or or if they're like me, they'll just like talk. Oh, our favorite. <laughs> She's great on the mic, guys. We are so happy. Sana, you are welcome anytime. <laughs> Back. Yes. Oh, like, thank really, you. you so were nice a fabulous you. guest to have. We were honored. Like, again, be KO. Yes. Shout out. You know the right people. <laughs> <That's Damn right. laughs> and if there's anything that you want to share with our audience, um, I don't know if you would like them to have your f- social media or any projects that you'd like to promote, anything like that. Um, and if not, that's okay, too. <laughs> well, speaking of Mikhail, um, the reason why he and I are just like bonded for life is because over the pandemic, I think he must have mentioned it during his interview, too. We shot a web series, which was just Oh my goodness. So wonderful to step back into those creative yeah. shoes again. Um, even though again, I was more the producer person. Which is still creative just on to, its own. Just, mm-hmm. Okay. We, it is. It is. It is. But I was, obviously I was reading the script. I was mm-hmm. bringing the creative people together. I was heading up the, the process from the top and we, there was ultimately 77 of us from around the world wow. in 
eight different countries, 25 different cities who worked on this, uh, yeah. you know, episodic series, the short series. And we have the third episode turned out so well that we have been taking it around to so many different festivals yeah. as a short film called Amy yes. Victoria. Super proud of that. It is so, so we're so proud of that one. And uh, at the end of its festival run, we might either put the series out as a series or uh, combine it into a feature film and kind of think about it from there on, maybe to approach distributors uh, or whatever else. And um, so that's sort of our, that's one thing I want to give a shout out to the web series is called The Myth of Control. Um, and I am so incredibly proud of what we were able to achieve, especially considering none of us ever met in real life. And we did it completely yeah. online. That's incredible. And that was, that was an insane, insane thing that we actually managed to pull off somehow. Um, and I love that. So I can't wait to get back into producing in the future again, more executive producing probably. Um, but in the meantime, yes. I love what I do. And I love being on the podcast. Thank you guys so much. Thanks for listening to FemRegard Podcast. If you like what you hear, tune in every Friday for more tips on the filmmaking business and insightful conversations with industry professionals. We can only grow with your support. So please subscribe, share, rate, and review. You can also join the FemFam on Patreon. For more on us, check us out at FemRegard.com. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.